add my welcome to you to worship at Faith Covenant Church this morning. My name is Kurt, and I am one of the pastors here. As we continue our series for Christmas that we're calling Make Room, we've been talking about how important it is in the midst of the busyness of Christmas and the busyness of our lives to become intentional about making room for God in our lives. We uh, have begun to decorate our uh, platform for Christmas, and uh, if you notice, it is very rustic, it is very simple, and it is intended to visually remind us of the very humble and simple circumstances in which the King of Glory came into our world in a humble stable, born and laid in a manger. In many ways, the Make Room series is about rediscovering that divine simplicity in life. We all want God to move in our lives, and yet the challenge and often the problem for us is that in our modern, busy culture, we have schedules and lives that are so filled many times with good things uh, that it's hard for us to make room for God or to see where God fits into all of the busyness and the craziness of life. We fill our lives with work and with play and with hobbies and many good things, but, but we don't leave any other room for God to, to be at work or to have margin in our lives for relationship with Him. At the end of the day, we sometimes feel overtired and overburdened, and we don't even have time to, to thank God for the things of the day that we've just come through. This Christmas here at Faith Covenant Church, in the midst of the increased busyness of the holiday season, we want to be focusing on how one of the best gifts that you can give yourself and the ones that you love this Christmas is to make room in your life for God. Would you pray with me? God, we do live in a busy and often noisy world, and we love this opportunity to come into this sanctuary and to find a place where, at least for a few moments, we can create space and room in our hearts and in our minds to focus on you. As we do so, God, we ask that you would be present to us through your Holy Spirit and that you would speak to us through your word about how your desire for us is to not only make room in our lives for you, but to discover that as we do, our lives are in you, that you have made room in your life for us, and that it's in you that we live and move and have our being. God, speak to us again this morning so that as we go from here, we, we go empowered to live out this life that you've called us to live, walking in step with your spirit and shining the light of Christ in our lives again this season. We ask this in his name. Amen. As I said, make room is really about rediscovering a sense of the divine simplicity of life in ways that allow us to see God in new and perhaps unexpected ways that we're not used to seeing him or conditioned in places to look for him. We don't learn to see God in our lives by looking at all of the busy distractions of life. Uh, the Bible teaches us that oftentimes we, we have to make room for God, intentionally seeking him out in order to find and discover the places that he's choosing to reveal himself and to show up. And when we do that, we learn uh, from the Christmas story, if you were here at the intro to the series last week, that sometimes God works, God's work goes on quietly behind the scenes and in unexpected places in our lives. 
If we want to discover and reconnect with God in this Christmas season, maybe we need to not be looking at the busyness and the distractions of our culture and of the holiday season, uh, but to the margins of our lives, to those places where we're, we're not always as comfortable. Maybe it's those quiet places, those alone places. Maybe it's driving in the car or, or sitting at home in the morning. There are all different kinds of ways where God might invite us to, to pay attention and to perk up our spiritual ears to hear wind of his spirit moving. We need to learn to make room for God in all of these places. But sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to find time in our schedules to set aside for God? While spending time devotionally with God and being in his word are, are two really important ways that we can connect with God and make room for him in our lives, we, we don't have to wait till all of the stars align for us to have the perfect day or the perfect week to, to follow through on those routines that we, we want to be building in our lives. In fact, for some of us, that kind of routine is rarely something we're successful at achieving. I know that can be true for me. I mean, my schedule is different every day and every week. And so for me to try and find those regular times every day where I'm sitting down and I'm making time for God and I'm spending time with God becomes hard and I get out of phase and it becomes difficult for me to try and figure out how do I get back on track. However, the reality is that you can make room for God even in the midst of your daily routine. Even if you don't have time to add extra space, why not consider inviting God into the spaces that are already filled with other things and allowing him to live your life with you? The reality is, though, to do that, I think we have to learn how to make room within ourselves for God to be with us. I've had the opportunity of developing a, an email friendship with a, a couple friends here in church over the last few weeks, and we've been exchanging encouragements to stay connected with God and to, to keep pursuing those times with God and paying attention to where God is in our lives. And in one of these emails, one of our uh, friends uh, said, I have found great pleasure and strength through the day to just pause and be still for only a moment just to feel his presence. His love and the reassurance of knowing that he is there and guiding me, these precious short moments throughout the day keep me connected, in addition to other devotional times and times studying God's word when those can be fit in as well. Then, I, I love this, he says, maybe we can sometimes be too focused on trying to dedicate special time during our day to focus on him when he may prefer that we spend time with him throughout the day. But how often do we allow God to have those one hours on Sunday morning or that 10-minute devotional time when, when maybe he's wanting to be involved in so much more of our day than just those special times that we give to him alone? It reminded me of uh, that book that was written, it's now a classic by Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God, where he talks about that, how, how God does not ask much of us. Merely a thought of him from time to time, a little act of adoration, sometimes to ask for grace, sometimes to offer him our sufferings, other times to thank him for the graces that he bestows on us. The least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. See, God doesn't always want the big grand gifts. He is not always in the big showy things. Sometimes he just wants the simple things, those moments of time, acknowledging his presence, thanking him for those small graces, and making room in our lives for him. I mean, making room for God can be as simple as taking a moment in the midst of our day to simply acknowledge that he's there. Sometimes, if we're honest, we can become frustrated in life because we feel like there's so much more that we should be doing, right? 
Even for God, we sometimes feel like God's expectations for us is that we should be doing more for him. We should be doing greater things for him, but we're not even accomplishing all the things that we've already committed to do. So how much more can we add? And so we start to feel guilt and shame and like we're not living up to God's ideal or his standard for our lives. But again, make room is about rediscovering God's divine simplicity That in Jesus, God reveals that the king of glory is born into a stable and he's laid in a manger. God's simplicity is an invitation for us to find him in those small, easy ways and to build from there. One of the things that I've discovered and encouraged about this email exchange, this email relationship, it's kind of cool in our modern age that we can have relationships through technology, right? We can use technology to leverage our spiritual lives sometimes, is that part of making room for God, as the Bible reveals, is that we need to make room for relationships, The Bible is repeatedly clear that one of the primary places we discover and experience the presence and power of God in our lives is in relationships. That's part of what it means to be a a part of the church. We are part of the body of Christ. He has given us to one another to discover and experience his presence and power through our relationships with one another. If you want to make room for God in your life this Christmas season, you need to make room in your life for relationships. First with God and then with others. Isn't that really the fulfillment of the greatest commandments that Jesus reveals in the Bible, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. How much more simple can it be than that? And yet sometimes those are the hardest things for us to follow through on consistently. In our Scripture passage for today, we're going to be looking in the letter of 1 John, which is all the way in the very back of your New Testament, and we'll have the words on the screen as well. There's one verse that I want to focus on first in chapter 4 of 1 John, and it's verse 12. Because in, in verse 12, John says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives where? In us. And his love is made complete where? In us. Let's not skip over this too quickly. Let me read that again. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He's talking about making room for God by focusing on our relationships with one another. It's a pretty amazing statement that John makes there. Now, we're going to come back to that and look at it in a larger context in just a minute. But I'd just like to make a few observations. For our our love for one another makes room for God in our lives. And we discover that as we give our love to others, it's actually his love in us that he is using to bless others through Christ's spirit in our lives, making us a fulfillment of the very gift that he gave to us by sending Jesus at Christmas to be born in that stable and laid in that manger. See, as we learn to love one another at a greater level, we experience the presence of God at a greater level, and we discover what it means that he's invited us to be a part of this community that he calls church. I think that's why Jesus said to his disciples, and as he was preparing to go to the cross in John 15, my command is this, 
Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. See, Jesus understood that one of the central, most important things that we need to focus on as his followers is to be loving intentionally in community with other believers. See, by pursuing healthy and vital relationships in our lives, we're actually living out the very command that Jesus gave to be loving in his name. Now, people will ultimately be disappointed with wealth and status and success alone, right? If they don't have anyone to share it with. I mean, all the things that we might want to accomplish or achieve in life end up being hollow if at the end of the day there's no one to celebrate with, there's no one to share it with, there's no one to appreciate all of these wonderful things that maybe we've been pursuing. And that's why I think that he, the letter, the author to the letter of First John in the larger context is talking about what it means to be a part of Christian community. And it's not just going to church on Sunday morning. It's having a lifestyle of relationship based on the love of Christ. Jumping back to verse 7 of chapter 4, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is Love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. In us. Now, I wish we had time to unpack this whole chapter. In fact, this whole letter is a, a wonderful letter about living in community and experiencing the power of God at work in our relationships. But if you think about the context in which John was writing this letter to the early church, their experience of community was, in many ways, very different from ours. They needed each other economically. They needed each other socially. They needed each other in order to survive in the world in which the early church was emerging. In that context, the rich people gave their resources to the, to the body and, and helped the whole church be able to get by economically. The poorer people gave what resources they had, and mutually they prayed for and blessed one another. And as the stratification of the people who found their way into the early church began to give themselves away in love to the community around them as plagues came through, as uh, wars raged, that the Christians gained a reputation for being a community that didn't look at external circumstances, but learned how to love each other well. And one of the greatest testimonies to the reality of the power of Christ in them was how they lived with and cared for one another. Now, I'd like to suggest that in our modern capitalistic society, we don't often think of needing each other in that way, do we? I mean, some of us may find ourselves in dire circumstances where we're forced to rely on the charity of other people. But in our society, isn't the goal really to become completely self-sufficient and totally independent of other people? Isn't that when you know you've completely arrived? It's polar opposite to the very values that Christianity is founded on. Relationships, in fact, come to be seen more as enhancements to my own personal success, not as avenues for experiencing God in our lives and for living out our sense of calling and vocation from God. 
We are consumed with activity in our culture, but are being consumed by our own consumption. Let me say that again. We are consumed with activity in our culture, but at the very same time, we are being consumed by our very consumption. God's calling is not something separate from everyday life. It flows out of who we are created to be. It's who he designed us to be, to be channels of his love and his spirit in our lives and who he is shaping us to become as followers of his son, Jesus. Therefore, our calling, our vocation in life as Christ followers is first lived out in those relationships that he calls us to be in. First, those closest to us, whether we're we're married and have children or, or our parents or our siblings or even our best friends, those in our closest inner circles are the very people God calls us to be servants to, to be loving to, to find God's spirit and power at work in those relationships. And it builds outward from there. How many people in our culture, though, and let me just say, including pastors, in the name of pursuing their vocation or their calling, have neglected the most important relationships in their lives? In order to pursue an idealistic view of personal work or accomplishment or what other people's expectations are of them. If I had asked to see a show of hands, many of you would probably put your hands up this morning, but I'm not going to do that. The reality is in our culture, we are rich in things and poor in depth of relationship. We are rich in things and we are poor in depth of relationship. We have many acquaintances, but very few friends. We have even fewer spiritual mentors or spiritual partners to walk with us and encourage us and challenge us on the journey. We need to make room for God by making more room for intentional, deeper relationships of significance in our lives. First with God, then with those significant others right around us, and then especially with some trusted spiritual friends and partners that we can commit to and that can commit to us to help us grow in our spiritual walk with Christ. If you think about it, in what ways do we really need each other today? It can't be as much materially as it was back then, but in this depth of relationship, in this intimacy of being known, of knowing and being known, we are woefully poor. When I was back in seminary, I was introduced to a a, a book called The Art of Helping by a guy named Robert Karkoff, and it's now in its ninth edition. It's become a a recurring popular book. And in the book, he talks about how effective listening is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to each other as human beings. To offer genuine, reflective listening where you're creating a space for somebody to share their life, their story, their heart is one of the greatest gifts that we can get good at doing for one another. But so few of us are able to do that well, he says. Then he makes this powerful statement near the end of the book. Essentially, he says, if the church were living out its proper role in today's society, the need for psychological counseling would decrease dramatically. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? Because it's about you and me. Listen to it again. It's about you and me. If the church were living out its true role in society today, the need for psychological counseling would be reduced dramatically. Think about it. How how much of our increasingly therapeutic culture is driven by the decreasing ability that we have for healthy, deep relationships that we're really offering to one another? Do we even have the time for those kinds of relationships anymore? And isn't it one of the primary roles of the church in society to be developing the very kinds of healthy, whole relationships that Karkouf is talking about here? 
And if you think about it even further, the reality is you can't do that with hundreds of people, right? You can only do it with a few people. You have to invest in some specific relationships where, that are intentionally designed for mutual support and mutual growth and mutual benefit. I mean, one of the amazing things that, that is a joy about being a part of a church is you get to come to worship God with, with 100 other people on Sunday morning. But yet, if all we do is worship in the large group context and we never go deeper with a few people who come to know us intimately and can call us out on some of our own stuff, the challenge of experiencing God and finding God in the ways that he has designed church to function become decreasingly a reality for us. As a church, as we think about where we're going in the future, as we think about growing our church deeper in Christ and further in mission as we've been talking about this fall, we need to grow smaller in order to grow larger. Say that again. We need to grow smaller as a church in order to grow larger, meaning we need to work at ensuring that everyone who comes to worship at Faith Covenant Church is being connected in life-giving, life-transforming relationships so that they are experiencing God in their lives and they are growing in the ways that God has intended. And I'd suggest that we need to start by reprioritizing our emphasis onto the quality of our relationships and not the quantity of our relationships. See, it's about going deeper in Christ. It's not about the numbers. And in doing so, we expand our ability to influence others and to be a channel of God's love and his spirit. You know, a pastor I worked with in Phoenix for a number of years knew a guy who was in the communications department at ASU, and he had a quote that he used to share all the time because it was kind of a fun quote. He said, before there was Facebook, there were actual faces. And people used to get them together every once in a while. <laughs> now, again, like I said earlier, technology can be a great tool, but it can also be a barrier between us and real relationships where we're going deeper and we're challenging one another and we're experiencing God in our lives in the ways that we've been discussing. I mean, everyone needs relationships, yet not all relationships are vital, healthy relationships. We tend to become like the people we spend time with, don't we? The reality is that our relationships with godly people who have a desire to, to pour into our lives as we pour into their lives are essential in order to increase our experience of the presence of God in our lives. We all need these vital spiritual relationships with other believers so that there are people who have the Spirit of God in them who are pouring into our lives so that we can experience the Spirit of God in us. I believe that's why Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need to be in those relationships where we're being sharpened by people so that we are challenged in our daily walk to keep on walking with Jesus. Last week, if you were here, we talked about how during the Christmas season, our, our bank accounts can get depleted rather rapidly, right? But we talked about not just our checking accounts, there are other kind of bank accounts that we have. We have emotional bank accounts. We have relational bank accounts. We have spiritual bank accounts. And if we're not careful in investing in those accounts, they can become depleted and, and often overdrawn, leaving us feeling isolated, empty, and having life have a hollowness to it. How are your accounts doing this Christmas season? Are, are your emotional accounts full up? Are, are your relational accounts all paid in full? Is your spiritual account full to overflowing? Or are you, like me, in need of some repair in some of those areas of your life? 
If we desire to make room for God, we need to start with God's priorities. We need to create intentional time for relationship with him and for relationship with significant key others who we are investing in so that they can invest in us. Now, if you think about it, oftentimes you think about, well, I need to go get some relationships so that they can pour into me so my bank accounts can be full, right? Is that the way it works? No, again, biblically, it's just the opposite, isn't it? It says we go out and we find somebody that God is calling us to intentionally invest our time, our energy, our listening in. As we give away on behalf of Christ, we find our bank accounts being filled up spiritually from within. And as we're doing that for one another, we are filled by the Spirit of God, not by what we actually have to give one another. It's as we intentionally forge those relationships and we think generously and sacrificially about our time that the Holy Spirit shows up and blesses us and fills us from the inside out. So I'm just going to kind of quickly wrap up here this morning with three specific things. If, if this is talking to you this morning, if this is an area where you feel like you need to take a next step in, in your life this Christmas, here's three simple things that you can focus on that will help you take the next step forward. Number one is you need to be intentional. Be intentional. Actively seek out friendships that are specifically about mutual growth and development. Find one other person to to be an accountability partner to say, hey, would you like to connect? Would you like to have a relationship like this? I'd love to pour into you and have you pour into me. Be intentional about building those kinds of relationships into your life, even if it's just one person. That's a great start. Number two, be specific. Have a specific time on the calendar, a specific date, a specific place. Be very clear when you're going to meet, how often you're going to meet, what are going to be the the topics that we're going to pursue when we meet. Have a very clear, specific focus on your relationship so that you're using the little time that you have for the most benefit for the both of you. Align your calendar to your relationship priorities. Look at your calendar and find out where those places are where you maybe do have a little margin, where you could add in a, a time for a relationship like this and schedule that time first. Maybe you need to even think about scheduling some time with God. Maybe you don't have a, a regular routine devotional like me, but, but maybe once a week, you know, you can carve off a, a, a block where you can give that to God and you can say, that's God's time and it's on my calendar. Include time with your closest relationships as well. As much as we also need to find those spiritual partners in our lives, God wants us to be investing in our spouse God wants us to have individual time with our children. God wants us to have specific time with with friends and extended family that he might lead us to invest in. God has given us a sense of responsibility for one another, and we need to schedule that time on our calendar just as much as other ones. And, And I have to be honest with you, I'm not very good at this either. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. This is a challenging series for all of us, I think. The third and final one, and this might be the hardest one, So number one, be intentional. Number two, be specific. Number three, be committed. Be committed. Make your relationships a spiritual discipline. Make it something that you agree with God to say, I'm going to invest in this as one of the priorities in my own spiritual life and my own calling with you, God. 
It's easy when the calendar gets full and we get tired and we start to feel overwhelmed to skip these vitally important relationships in our lives. It's the tyranny of the urgent, right? These, these, these are important, but they're, but they're not urgent. It's just hanging out with a friend or it's just spending time with my wife or it's just you know, taking my son out to throw the football for a little bit. But we need to make these priorities non-negotiables in our life. We need to see them for what they are. They are opportunities to make room for God in our lives. I'll just close by saying, when we make room for relationships, we make room for God. And when we make room for God, we're making room for God to show up. We're making room for a miracle. We all want God to move in our lives. But sometimes we're so busy that we lose track of God's priorities and we lose track of those most important relationships around us. In this season of Christmas, let's all challenge each other to find at least one, if not more, vital key relationships with somebody else that we're investing in for God's sake. Amen? Let's pray.